We are so excited to have Julie back on today. Last week, she talked a lot about her story about losing her two children in a rollover accident. And we talked about how healing is in our blueprint and that we can truly heal from any experience. But today we are bringing Julie back on because we're gonna talk about everyday grief. Welcome to the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast, a show that lifts, encourages, supports, and educates mothers to do their best in their awesome responsibility to raise, teach, and champion the rising generation. Join us as we talk to and answer questions from mothers nationwide about the challenges, heartbreaks, joys, and lessons learned from one mother to another. Our guest today is a speaker, author, and host of the popular Build a Life After Loss podcast. As an international grief coach, she enjoys helping her clients find purpose and joy again after loss. In addition, she's the author of the book, Miracles in the Darkness, Building a Life After Loss. She and her fun-loving husband, Ron, recently moved to Nashville, Tennessee with their golden doodle, Coco. Together, they are the parents of six beautiful children, including two angels, and have 10, almost 11 incredible grandchildren. I am pleased to present Julie Clough. I don't know about you, but I am getting ready to send my daughter off to college, and there's a little bit inside of me that is kind of mourning this she's done. Do you know? And she's my last child. And so there, there's a part of me that's mourning and this is everyday stuff. I know there are some of you sending your kids off to kindergarten that are like, I am so sad right now. It's a change, right? So let's talk today a little bit about everyday grief. Julie, thanks for coming back on the show today. Thank you. I love being here. It's interesting because as you were introducing the podcast, I was thinking about how motherhood is so intertwined with grief experiences. Mm. You think about when your child makes a decision that impacts them, that is a grief experience. So a loss is when we have one way that life looks and then we lose the way life looks or there's a change. Honestly, loss is a change. That's what it is. Mm. And it's obviously a change that we view as negative right? So there's changes that we view as positive, but there's changes that we view as negative and even positive change. When we move, let's say you're excited about moving into a new home, even if it's in the same town, you experience the loss of where you lived before the memories that are there, your neighbors, the community that you've built, even if you moved to the next neighborhood over, it's recognizing that Emotions, feelings are what make us human and that we tend to ignore them in order to do life. But in fact, they're probably the most important thing that we do is pay attention to our emotions. Because you were talking about some things are very positive and you're excited to see your children go forward. I remember when one of my sons decided he wanted to go in the military. He was going to the ROTC program at the high school. And I'm going, whoa, whoa, wait, what was it? Military? What are you talking about? So accepting his goal, his dream 
was a really hard thing because I could only see years down the road, his life is in danger. He's putting yeah. his life in danger every day. He became a pilot, but I was so happy for him that he was living his dream. But it took a lot of steps along the way. A lot of mixed emotions, a lot of, yeah, for sure. And Tamara, as you were t- talking about your daughter going out to college, I was remembering sending my first daughter off to college and Honestly, I was excited. She should have gone off to college two years before she did. She was so independent. She was born ready to go. She was fully walking at nine months. By the time it was time for her to go to college, I'm like, thank goodness. (laughs) But there's still, even in that excitement, there's still that change. Things will never be the same again. And that's like the whole route of motherhood. They say that your family dynamics change according to your oldest child. It's like your oldest child goes through these different phases and your whole family shifts with Mm -hmm. that, with that change. And it's being able to recognize the emotions of what we're experiencing. We can be excited, but we can also recognize that there's losses. And sometimes in a loss, even with a major life change, like say a divorce, there's secondary losses, right? There's the loss of that family, or there's the loss of connection with mutual friends or loss of our financial situation. It's impactful in so many ways. And that's just the way our life goes. There's a lot of impact. I think a lot of times we spin out in emotions on other things because we're not willing to look at the thing that really is bothering us. Wow. That is a really amazing thought. And I think you're right because often if I am dealing with something like a big change that I'm going to probably overreact with everything else going on, if I'm not giving myself the time to process that change, does that make sense? Absolutely. That is absolutely correct. And I think you mentioned at one point something about symptoms, or maybe Deanne mentioned something about symptoms and what to look for. And anger is one of those things. I've had an experience recently where I experienced a loss and I found myself being really angry, which is not my MO. I don't spend a lot of time in anger, but I found myself being really, really angry If it's okay, I'd like to share a little bit about anger and the sign that that is and what we can be looking for. Because when we experience anger, a lot of times it's because we feel vulnerable. A lot of times it's because there's hurt or pain or disappointment underneath that. And we're not in the space where we want to look at that or we want to be there in that pain. So we have anger, which covers up. It's like a defense mechanism. If you think of an, uh, an animal, like a porcupine, when they feel danger and they pull up their, what are they called? Their quills. <laughs> quills. Yeah. You know, th- their quills go up, right? It's like anger becomes that shield for us and it becomes an outlet too. So if we don't find other outlets for tough emotions, vulnerable emotions, anger will become a very frequent visitor. What is the best way then to help us be vulnerable to these emotions? Because sometimes we don't want to go there because they're painful. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with 
you know, if you've ever had an experience where you want or you should be doing something, but you're not doing it because you don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So anytime we are faced with something new, we're uncomfortable. We don't know what to do. We, as a society in general, people have not been taught about emotions, what they are. We don't have a vocabulary around emotions. We tend to do the sad, mad thing that sad, mad, happy. Those are kind of our go-to vocabulary. So we don't have a vocabulary around emotion. We don't know what to do with them. So we don't do anything. Mm. We just wish that things could be better, that things could be easier. Then we have these experiences with our children where we're angry and our anger, which I had all the time when my kids were growing up and our anger feels disproportionate to what's going on. Yes. And it's because we have all this underlying frustration or grief or sadness or fear, so much fear. There's so much fear in motherhood. I homeschooled my kids and I wish so badly I could go back and eliminate all the fear that I had around their future and feeling so responsible for their future. We don't have to be homeschooling parents to feel that. Mm-hmm. We feel like it's all up to us to make sure that our kids are successful and that we have to make sure everything is correct and perfect. And I wish that I could have let go of some of that fear and realized life happens the way it's supposed to. Mm. And that if I just relax and I enjoy my children and I share life with them, I share life lessons, I share love and joy and that I can be in this space of, and that's what I try to do with my grandchildren. It's a lot easier with grandchildren. Let's be real. (laughs) I can go home and get a good night's sleep. (laughs) And a good night's sleep is a lot of times what interrupts that, that joy in our day, isn't it? (laughs) Can I take you a little bit further into the fear that you felt raising your children? If you're able to overcome that and recognize that personally, would you be able to would we as mothers be able to help our children understand the emotion? If we can face our own emotions and emotional processes, we can help our children work through those things and understand them. Cause you said our vocabulary doesn't work around. As mothers be able to help them if we work through it more realistically with, and we move our own. Absolutely. I am so glad you mentioned that as such an important thought and idea. When I went through the accident and losing my kids and I was worked with a therapist for several months, overcoming my PTSD and, and all this stuff, I remember her basically saying, I was not good at feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember exactly how she phrased it, but that's the thing. We don't learn skills around that. So one of the things that's been really useful for me is journaling. Being able to capture what's going on inside on paper gives us some, oh, I don't know how, what I want to say, what I want to call that, but it just, it gives us some, I don't want to say control, but some leverage over perspective. Maybe. perspective. perspective. Yeah. Yeah. If we can get these emotions out on paper, It's a way of releasing them. It's a way of identifying them, 
recognizing them. And it's actually does so much because it not only allows us to let go of the emotions, it allows us to heal from the emotions. It gives us the opportunity to be the observer of ourself. So we do the journaling from a perspective of curiosity. And I feel like curiosity is something that we can develop, that we can develop that curiosity. And really, I would encourage everybody to just really meditate, ponder for a few minutes on what does curiosity feel like? How can I be more curious? So when we have hard, and this was my experience, when we have hard experiences with our kids and things didn't go the way we wanted them to, there's that tendency to judge. The judgment is just a killer of everything. But if we can go to that experience with curiosity instead of judgment, and we can ask ourselves questions like, what happened? What went well? What didn't go well? And what do I want to do next time? Mm -hmm. And we do that from a place of compassion and curiosity. Then we grow through those experiences instead of multiplying the experiences. That is very profound. Thank you. I love that. I know journaling is very important in a lot of areas, but I like the way you presented it, the curiosity. And I think reviewing those statements that we've written in the past help us move forward. But Julie, we have to take a quick break here and we'll be right back and spend some more time with you. Thank you. Thank you. Did you know you can nominate that special mother as mother of the year? American Mothers accepts nomination from Mother's Day through September 15th. American Mothers has been honoring mothers since 1935. Now's the time to honor that special mom in your life. For more information or to submit a nomination, go to www.americanmothers.org slash nominate. And we're back with Julie Clough, and we've been talking about everyday grief. And, and let's dive a little bit deeper into everyday grief, because we all are experiencing change on a daily basis, right? And we've talked about how probably not getting enough sleep impacts us <laughs> with how we're dealing with this change or these griefs that we encounter day in and day out. But Julie, talk me through some instances where we might not even realize that we're grieving in daily life. Well, Tamara, everybody's a little bit different, right? That's why we don't compare. But some people will be greatly impacted by a child who has been taking piano lessons and comes to them and says, I don't want to do piano anymore. I don't love it. I don't like it. You know, I'm a pianist myself. So teaching my kids and then having them come to me and go, I don't care about that. That hurts. Mm -hmm. There's those times that hurts, but somebody else could be like, okay, well, what else do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Recognize your own experiences that your own experiences are valid. So if you're feeling sad about something, don't dismiss it. Pay attention to it. Ask questions. Before the break, we talked about curiosity. Mm -hmm. And so when we feel those feelings of sadness, then we can ask ourselves questions. This is where journaling is so impactful because when we ask those questions on paper, 
I've called it, our thoughts are like wild butterflies. So when we put it on paper, it's like we're capturing the butterfly. We're finding what's most important in the experience because then we're pulling out of that wild chaos of the flying butterflies. If we just do it in our head, we're doing what we'd call ruminating and we can exaggerate the emotions. It's really easy to exaggerate our emotions because we have a thought, which is the foundation of emotion. So we'll have a thought that will produce an emotion and then that emotion will impact our thoughts and that our thoughts, and then it, it goes back and forth until it's escalated to a point of unrecognizable. Mm. So then we end up thinking, because our child has quit piano lessons, we can spiral that into they're never going to be a success in life. They're always going to be a failure. <laughs> We've mm-hmm. all done it. Mm-hmm. We've all done it. We've all taken a scenario that was a simple childhood accident. My kid went off. This is an actual experience. My kid went off and went bike riding with his friend without asking if they could go at nine years old. And they end up over in a city park somewhere and you can't find them. And then you spiral into, oh my gosh, my, my kid is irresponsible. They're wild. They don't know how to, but if we can just step back and go, okay, this is an experience. This is something to learn from. We can ask ourselves questions. Why do I feel so triggered? What's going on? We can show up with more when we show up for, okay, this is the most important piece in this. I'm like, I know there's something here, but what is it? When we can be curious about our own thoughts and feelings, when we can be compassionate with ourselves, when we can be loving with ourselves, we have greater ability to be compassionate and loving with others. Mm. When we're constantly judging ourselves, criticizing ourselves, we take that energy into our relationships. Wow. That's powerful. What's interesting is as you were asking those questions of, well, why am I so upset that my kid quit piano lessons? Ultimately, it goes back to me and my story. You know what I mean? I think back to my experience playing the piano and why I wanted my kids to take piano lessons because I enjoy it so much and music has become such a big part of my life. And so it's all coming back to me (laughs) and my story. So I'm projecting, well, if they don't do this, then like you said, we build that imaginary story in our head of how this is going to impact them either positively or negatively in the future. (laughs) The reality is, is that all these experiences that we have, sending our kids off to kindergarten, having them quit things that we wish they would continue, having them make mistakes Mm -hmm. that we never wanted them to make, we see how that might impact their life. All these things that bring up the sadness, the reality is, is that our brain is programmed for the negative. Really? And when we recognize that, then we can go, okay, I know my brain is programmed for the negative. A lot of the techniques that I teach and that I train people on is to help them to understand how to work through those emotions so they don't escalate so that they can work through the negative and input the goodness in life. Our brain is looking for problems to solve. And so when we're parenting, if we're always in that space of 
my kid's doing something wrong. I know when my kids were little, people would say, catch them doing something right. I'm like, when they're doing something right, I don't want to interrupt them. (laughs) (laughs) I want it to continue. I don't want to interrupt with my input. Brain is actually programmed for negativity. And there's a reason for that. It's trying to keep us safe. But we don't leave our phone in default mode. When we get our phone, we program it with the programs that we want. We don't leave our computer in default mode. When we get it, we put in the things that we want. We've got to do the same thing with our brain. We've got to look at our brain as a tool, not who we are. I think something else too that impacts that is expectation, not only for ourselves, but our children. We can grieve the things for ourselves, can't we? because we have an expectation of how things are going to go. And if they don't go the way that we anticipate that they will, then we fell short and we Mm -hmm. grieve that loss of not being able to reach our own expectation in ourselves and our children and in others. Expectations are huge. And they, they set us up for disappointment. But they're important too, right? With our kids, if we don't have expectations for the way that we want them to show up, to be a good citizen in life, to be contributors, to be a positive influence, then we're we're not going to work towards that. We're not going to put in the programs into our system, into our family to create that. The expectations are important, but I feel like it's important to hold those lightly. What I mean by that is that we create the standard that we're working for. And if we look at it in our own individual life, we have standards that we're working towards that we're wanting to create in our life. And so often we fall short of them. Mm-hmm. I do all the time. Mm-hmm. I have things I want to create. I know who I want to be and where I want to be. And every day I fall short. But if I'm constantly in that place of disappointment, then I'm not actually encouraging my progress. So if we think about encouragement, what that looks like, a lot of times it's looking back and seeing the progress we've made. Dan Sullivan is famous for this idea of measure the gain, not the gap. Yes, And it's the idea that we have these expectations, we have this progress that we're working towards, And we see that huge gap between where we are and where we want to go. And we see this in our kids. And a lot of times that shows up in expecting our five-year-old to act like an adult. (laughs) And even adults have trouble sitting through a meeting or sitting through a class, right? (laughs) But we have those expectations are like looking forward and we see the gap between where we want to be and where we are. But if we look back and we can measure the gain and we can do that more often, then we can be encouragers. Then we can see how our kids are trying. When we have the disappointments, when we have sadness that comes up in our relationships, we can look back with gratitude and we place that expectation of that progress that we've already had into our future. Mm, I love that. I was just thinking as you were describing that, it's like instead of chasing the perpetual carrot dangled in front of a donkey or a horse or something that you're pausing and saying, but look how much you've learned. Look how much you've grown. Look how much progress you've made. Yes, you are still chasing that dream. And I have to do that to myself often. 
because if not, I start to feel discouraged. So it's, it's important to look back and count our blessings, count our successes, count our children's successes, even though they may look different. And I think one of the keys, as you were talking, that I'd love to just add on is learn to be flexible. And that's one of the things that I've had to learn in my life, especially with children on the autism spectrum or any child, they're going to make decisions or they're going to have a good day or a bad day. And I've had to learn to be much more flexible. I used to be super rigid in my planning and my thinking. Now it's like something happens. We had a big thing happen yesterday and It was interesting to see how different members of my family handled it. I was just like, well, here we go again. It's just a change. It's a change. But I've had to learn to be flexible with myself. And my pattern of thinking has just had to change wildly over the past 20 years plus of dealing with this. I think learning to be flexible and kind and patient with yourself and say, well, if that didn't work, we're on to plan Z, <laughs> you know, because we've Absolutely. tried A, B, C, D, E, F. Okay. Well, what's next? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it goes back to that idea of when we learn to be patient and encouragers of ourselves, I have found that as I've learned to do that, I have become much more patient and encouraging with others. Yeah. And it's worth it to do the work of our own healing and our own exploration of emotion and working through emotions so that we can teach our kids, so that we can be patient with their emotions, so that we can understand that their emotions are real and that we need to acknowledge them, that when we don't acknowledge the emotion, just like in ourselves, it escalates. Emotion especially difficult emotion can be like a toddler that wants your attention. It's going to keep escalating until it gets your attention and better to pay attention early rather than late. I know we're getting close to time. Can I just add a couple of things for those of you who are grieving a tremendous loss? Can I just share? I love for you, my heartfelt prayer for you that you will find the support that you need, that you will seek out support, knowing that your support needs to be greater than your challenge and that you will be patient and loving with yourself in the process and know that your family will be okay through this. As a mother who was raising teenage boys in a place of dysfunction, in myself and feeling so poorly. Not only was I dealing with my own grief, but I was dealing with the fact that my boys were not being raised in the same household that my older girls had been raised in because I was a non-functioning mother. And I had to give myself grace for that. I had to forgive myself. I had to know that this was part of my boy's life experience. Don't underestimate that your kids are on their own journey and your failings, while they will impact your kids, they are the experiences that your kids need to experience. Your successes and your failures as a parent are part of your kids' experience and are part of what are going to make them the amazing people that they're going to be. That is a perfect note to end on. Thank you so much, Julie, for joining us today. 
And again, please share with us how people can find you online. Absolutely. The best place to find me is build a life after loss. And actually, if you remember, build a life after loss, it's long. I know build a life after loss. If you remember that it's buildalifeafterloss.com. My Facebook page and group is build a life after loss with Julie Clough. My podcast is the same name, build a life after loss. That's where you can find me. Come message me on Facebook or Instagram. Say hi. Thanks again, Julie, for joining us the second time for talking about everyday lives and for helping us realize how much compassion we need to give ourselves as we deal with crazy emotions day in and out. Usually when we make announcements during our podcast, it is evergreen. It is not linked to a specific month or time of the year, but this podcast is aired initially the first week of September. And this is the month when the National Day of Service and Remembrance is celebrated on September 11th. It's the largest annual day of charitable service in the United States. And we encourage each of you to sometime during the month, do an act of service in your community or in your area. You can also do a financial donation to an organization that provides charity for others, or you may volunteer. But think about what you and your family can do during this month of September in recognition of the National Day of Service and Remembrance. Thank you. One day I was sitting around the dining room table with all my kids. They were studying and we were doing our schoolwork. So my daughter, who was just old enough to be sitting at the table with us, and David was younger, so he was playing. And all of a sudden she looks up and she's like, Mom, there's water dripping from the chandelier. (laughs) And sure enough, there was water dripping from the chandelier. And I went upstairs and David had taken all these towels and soaked them in water and put them in the middle of his room that just happened to be above the chandelier and it dripped all the way through to the other side. Many mothers have the challenge of caring for their children and taking care of the family while their partner is away for a week, a month, or a year, or sometimes longer. Next week, we will talk with the mother about how she handled her life when her husband was deployed and how he was integrated into the family when he returned as a wounded veteran. Please join us next week. In the meantime, do you have an experience you would like to share? Please send us your thoughts at podcast at AmericanMothers.org. Hi, I'm Gonzalo Cordova, representative from New Mexico. Something special about being a mom is having my children still, that they have each stayed as a unit. You see so many people that don't speak to each other, whatever reason, my family still seems to be one. That's one thing I know we've always asked of them, take care of each other, be a family. It is hard to be a unit, but they continue to be. Although there have been sometimes not totally agreeing with each other, they manage to join again. I'm so blessed to have them, especially now. You know, as you get older, you appreciate them more and more. They probably were a handful when they were little, but oh my, now they're such a blessing. 
Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of mom-to-mom encouragement. We understand that being a mother can be overwhelming, but we hope that you found something useful you can apply to your own life. We invite you to share this episode with a friend who might also enjoy the message. The mission of American Mothers is to support mothers, empowering them to positively impact their families and communities. We want each one of you to discover and share your innate, inherent, and natural abilities to bless your children and others. The primary purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. The views, information, or opinions expressed during the American Mothers Mom to Mom podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of American Mothers Incorporated, its members or employees. AMI is not responsible for, nor does it verify the accuracy of the information contained in the podcast, nor does the series constitute any professional advice or services. We look forward to visiting with you one mom to another next week. Until then, just do your best at mothering and remember you're not alone. You've got an army of mothers all around you cheering you on.